Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. I want to really, really ask you to join us tonight in prayer. Um, and, and, and you say, well, what are we praying for? We're praying for our nation. How many know our nation needs prayer? All right, and we're praying for this nation. We're not, and let me tell you what we're not going to do. We're not praying for it, even though I'm going to vote a certain way. That's not necessarily what we're praying for. You say, well, what are we praying for? We're praying for your kingdom come, your will be done. See, I got the same response this morning. You see, because I think what's happened is that there's a part of us that's like, no, 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 pastor. We're praying a certain way for the election. Okay? I'm telling God how that's going to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody know? Okay, you're all being shy on me. Let me share something with you. I was looking last night, and I sent this to Pastor Troy, and he gave me such a profound response, but I'm not going to tell you what it was. So I want to show you something. So I did some digging into Scripture last night, and looking in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, there were the kingdom of Israel got divided between the ten tribes in the north and the two tribes in the south. The north was called Israel. The south was called Judah. Judah was two tribes. The northern tribes were ten tribes. So in the scripture, there were 20 kings of Judah in the Bible. So in the Bible, you'll see 20 kings. Twelve did evil in the sight of the Lord, whose reigns totaled 150.5 years. Twelve evil kings who reigned a total of 150.5 years. Eight did good in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, and they reigned 265 years. Okay, so a total of 20 kings, some good, some bad, who reigned 415 and a half years. All right, now stick with me. Then Israel, the 10 northern tribes, all right, they had 19 kings who all did evil, every one of them. Their collective reigns were 234 years, seven months. And seven days. One of them only reigned seven days. All right? Now, three points from that. First of all, when you look at Judah, and you've got 12 evil kings who did evil for 150 years, and you got eight who did well for 265 years. I would suggest this. Without a remnant of righteous leadership, a nation is destroyed. Let me say it again. Without a remnant of righteous leadership, a nation is destroyed. Righteous kings reign longer than unrighteous kings. Because how many know they got the blessing of God? All right. But, but even still, in spite of, talk, look at Judah, in spite of unrighteous leaders, God still ultimately brings his plan to pass. Right? So in, so in spite of who wins this election, how many of you know that God will ultimately, in due time, still bring his purpose to pass? Right? Because is he not still over all the nations? That's what my Bible tells me. So all I'm saying is, we're going to vote in a certain matter. I understand that. But I will say this to you. My God is a God who works his plan through the unrighteous and the righteous. And he still ultimately, even when unrighteousness tries to undo what God is doing, God is still ultimately going to bring his purposes to pass. And don't you find confidence in that? Well, this side does. You guys are a little silent over here, okay? So tonight, we're going to pray. We're going to be about an hour. We're going to pray directed prayers. We're we're not going to sit here and, you know, kind of like, you know, oh, this is just dragging on and on and on. (laughs) 
We'll let God do what he wants to do, amen? But we're going to pray. So I want you to come out and do that with us. All right? It, you know, I, I feel like I, I, I just have to be a little shameless this morning. So after the first service, the grandkids come running over, okay? And, and, and this, is, this is Liam's gift to me. You guys don't see it? That's really sharp, isn't it? Yeah. And then this was one that Carson made me. That's red. But then there is this one. In case you can't read it, I'll tell you. I love Pappy. <laughs> okay. So that reminded me. Yes, I'm going to do it, of this shameless plug that I've got to put out there from 2018. Some of you might remember this, but for those of you who don't, allow me to gloat, okay? <laughs> this is from 2000, March 1st, 2018. My wife puts a Facebook post on. She says, you got to love grandkids. I'm driving Carson to school. And she randomly says, I'm glad mommy and daddy picked me. I say to her, I'm so glad too. She then proceeds to say, because I got the pappy I wanted. <laughs> yeah, I'm just shameless, ain't I? <laughs> I am just shameless. But you got to understand, like, I loved having kids, but this whole pappy gig is pretty fun too, right? Like, I'm pretty sure I'm one of the few grandpaps, pastors, that prepares for Sunday morning messages getting invaded by the children. Like, I'm, I'm in my office this morning, and there they came again. And they're so subtle about it. Hey, we're here. And the door goes bursting open. The, the, the music's playing because I'm listening to my music. And they're dancing, and they're hopping, and they're drawing, and it's just chaos. And Liam, he's like little drummer boy. He's in his own world. I don't know where he gets it. Okay? And then Carson, she comes in, and she's like trying to take over. Oh, Papa, you should preach this. And Papa, you should preach that. And, you know? And uh, that, that's my Sunday mornings before I even get here. And... Um, you know, I just got to tell you, though, I, I looked at that, I thought about that. Because I'm so glad, too, because I got the pappy I always wanted. Now, I thought that was interesting. You know what happens? You know God chose us. He chose us. And yet, when we finally choose him, how many know we get everything we ever looked for? We get everything we always wanted. We get the one we didn't even know totally about. Amen? And that's actually why I'm sharing this shameless plug. It is shameless. I, love my, I forgot my clicker, Troy. So this morning, I'm going to share with you a message. I got to preach a funeral this week for Pat McGinnis, who is a longtime member of our church, Jason McGinnis's grandmother. Wonderful, godly lady. Just, just a wonderful lady. And sometimes when I'm doing a funeral, I get to have the Bible of that one who passed away, and I get their Bibles, and I get to thumb through them. What an incredible journey I took this week through her Bibles. It was unbelievable, just looking at what she marked, what she wrote down. Every page in the Bibles that are note pages were filled with just writings and scripture and prayers. And it was just unbelievable to go through. And, and these Bibles are taped together. And Charles Spurgeon said something like this. He said, a, a Bible that's falling apart is often indicative of a life that's not falling apart. And I thought that was pretty good. And I'm looking at this Bible, and I'm watching through it, and I'm going through it. And just all this stuff that she had. And it gave me such great insight to her faith. And then there was two places where she had um, wrote and highlighted 
that talked about Jesus being her way maker. Like, Jesus, I know you always make a way. You are the way maker. And it was in a couple different places. And the Lord put it upon my heart that that's what I should preach for her funeral about how he was the way maker in her life. And then later this week, I saw that Troy had it on the schedule. And then I was like praying about it, thinking, okay, I think we got a theme for the week. And so what I want to preach to you this morning, I want to preach a message called the Waymaker and Promise Keeper. Do you know he's the Waymaker because he is the Promise Keeper? Right? Like, how many of you this morning, maybe in this house, that as parents you've ever made promises to your kids? Okay. We'll start today with you making promises to your kids. Anybody ever make any promises to your kids? Okay. And, and when you make those promises, don't you keep them? Don't you find a way to make them and a way to keep them? I made a promise, I won't say who, I made a promise to somebody this morning that I promise you, it's not a family member, but I made a promise this morning to somebody that I promise you I will keep. And the only way I won't keep that promise is if I'm dead. Of course, if I don't straighten up, that might happen too, because Penny might let me have it. But the way maker. And so I want to talk to you. Jesus said, John 14, in my father's house, he said, first of all, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in me. Trust in my father. In my house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go there to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back so that I can take you to be where I am. And then he said to him, and you know the way to the place that I'm going. And Thomas speaks up and says, hey, how do we know the way to the place when we don't know where you're going? And then Jesus gives that famous scripture, what? I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He said, I am the way, I am the truth. How many of you know that you don't need to know where you're going if you know who the way is? Amen? It's kind of like taking a trip with Pastor Jim in a car. You don't need to know where you're going, but just trust me, we'll get somewhere. I want to take you on a journey. Stick with me. I want to take you on a journey in the life of Israel for a moment. We see that Israel started with a man named Abraham. Abraham, God said, I'm going to create a great nation through you. And through him then came uh, his sons. And then, you you know, you have Isaac. And then you have Jacob. And through Jacob, Jacob becomes Israel. Israel has the 12 sons who become the 12 tribes of Israel. All right? And you follow them through to a point in their life where they end up in Egypt because of a famine. And they end up staying there. And the next thing you know, this group of people who are God's people are held captive under the power of Egypt. Egypt in our lives often represents sin, oppression, bondage. Anybody ever lived in Egypt? Anybody here this morning? Can we get some waiters and waitresses to serve some coffee, please? (laughs) Make sure you tip them. Like, some of you look as disinterested as I do watching t-ball. There's nothing more grueling than watching t-ball. Baseball, yes. T-ball, no. T-ball is nothing more than chaos. And I watch it like this. Some of you got T-ball faces this morning. And I'm going to tell you, God is better than T-ball. And I'm even a better preacher than T-ball. Maybe not baseball, but I certainly am a better preacher than T-ball. So these, God's people end up, they're in Egypt, all right? And I want to tell you something, first of all. God is the way maker out of Egypt. How many know there is no way out of Egypt without God, right? 
that God finally comes to Moses at the burning bush. I've seen my people's misery. I've heard their groaning. I've heard their crying. And I am concerned about them. And I'm sending you back because I'm going to rescue my people and I'm going to lead them out of the bondage of Egypt. Okay, but why did God do that? Why did God decide he wanted to leave them out? Why didn't he just leave them there? Okay, why didn't he just leave them there? Because he loved them so much. Because he loves me so much. And that's true, amen? But how many know, even in his love, God has greater purposes? Uh, okay, like for example, I want to say it to you this way. He did love Israel, and they were the apple of his eye. But remember something. The reason that he was going to leave them out of Egypt is because he was the way maker out of Egypt because he was the promise maker of the garden. Do you remember what happened in the garden? In the garden, he created Adam and Eve, put them in a perfect environment. He said to them, this is what I want you to be. Be my image, live as my priest in the garden. Eat from any tree except that one. That one's mine, don't eat that one. For when you eat of that one, you will die. They eat of that one, and then God has to bring the consequence of sin and when he brings the consequence of sin, what happens? Now man is going to die. But then he says to the woman, oh, and by the way, I got good news for you. The seed of the woman is going to crush the head of the serpent. And how many know that Jesus was the seed of the woman coming through the nation of Israel to one day crush the head of the serpent? That my God made a promise in the garden to humanity that one day he would keep and he would fulfill, and now he's saying, I'm going to deliver my people from Egypt because I made a promise to, in the garden. I made a promise to Abraham. I made a promise to Isaac. I made a promise to Jacob. Listen to me this morning. My God is a way maker today because my God still keeps his promises. My God is still a promise-making God. Now, how many of you know what the promises of God are? How many of you are breathing? How many have a pulse? How many know the promises are in this book right here? How many know the promises of God are here? How many know you can know? Sometimes we don't, we don't believe him to be the way maker because we don't know he's the promise maker. And this word is the very thing that brings out the promises of God. Some of us don't know the promises that we can actually look at God and say, you promised. Hmm? So he's the way maker because he made a promise in the garden. God was the way maker out of Egypt because he was the promise keeper of the garden. I'm going to keep my promise. God is the way maker because God is the promise keeper. So what does he do? Then he takes a man named Moses. He says to Moses, I want you to go back and get my people. And so through Moses, God kept his promise to his people. Let me ask you a question this morning. Are there any Moseses in the house? Are there any people here that maybe you could be a conduit of promise to somebody else? Even if nothing else, if, if, if the salvation. How many know the salvation is a promise of God? How many know you can be a conduit of salvation to somebody? A conduit of promise where you can lead people to the promises of God. God says, now I'm going to use Moses. So through Moses, God kept his promise to his people. I want to say something to you. There are things in my life today that are, that are true in my life today because my mother was a conduit of promise from God to me. And it's her fault I'm here, blame her. Do you understand what I'm saying? How many of you want to be a conduit of promise to your children? Through Moses, God exercised judgment against the oppressor. When God sent Moses there, and there was one plague after another, 
the plague of lice, the plague of gnats, the plague of frogs. Can you just imagine a plague of frogs? Like, I mean, frogs just jumping everywhere. Like, I just, bat, I crack up at this stuff. You guys ever laugh at the Bible? No? I mean, frogs, gnats? The Nile turns to blood? Like, come on, think about it. What were those? Those were judgments. Those were God exercising judgment against Egypt through Moses, right? Through Moses, God brought captivity out of Egypt. Hmm. Reminds me of a scripture in the New Testament that Jesus descended into the earth and he led captivity captive out of and gave gifts to men. Hmm. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? All right. You see, so God has his people who he made a promise to and that people was to be the promise through whom the promise to the world would come, the one who would crush the head of the serpent, and yet now that people found themselves in bondage, oppression, and they found themselves in this place they could not get out of. God says, I'm going to keep my promise, and I'm going to make a way for them to come out. And what does he do? He exercises judgment. He comes against it. He parts the Red Sea. He gives them a pillar of cloud by day. He gives them a, a pillar of fire by night that these people are coming out of Egypt by the supernatural strong arm of God. How many of you know this morning that you and I could not leave our bondage, leave our sin without the strong arm of God? There was no way on our own to leave a life of sin. There was no way of own of us exercising judgment against our oppressor. There was no way for us to come out of Egypt without God making a way. And so now watch what happens. So God brings them out. They go across the Red Sea. They're going on an 11-day journey to the land that he promised them, the promised land, the land he promised to Abraham because he's a promise-making God, and he's a promise-keeping God. They get to that promised land. They get to the threshold, an 11-day journey. And that 11-day journey, they get there, and God says, go in. Moses sends spies in. Many of you know the story. 12 spies, 10 come back with a bad report. Two come back with a good report. How many know we like bad news better than good? Just telling you, right? And now the people hear the bad news. They hear the faithless report. They operate on this faithless report. And then God looks at them and says, fine. If you don't want to go in, don't. But now you're going to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. You're going to wander for 40 years in the wilderness. You're going to go to a place you don't want to be because of the choice that you made. Do you understand this morning that there are places we end up that are our own decision making? I mean, I, I wish I could blame everybody else for every time I ended up where I didn't want to end up. They end up wandering for 40 years, what should have been an 11-day journey. There's a wandering desert season of their life. And that desert season came from their own choices, their own faithlessness, their own disobedience, and their own rebellion. And I want to say to you this morning, and some of you might not like it, that's okay, I love you, you love me, we're one big happy family. <laughs> Is that true? Your desert season and your wilderness wanderings, nobody else's fault but our own. We chose to walk faithless, we chose to walk in disobedience, and we ended up in that place. But let me tell you the good news. You know what the good news is? is that God is even the way maker in the wilderness. Even in the wilderness, God was the way maker. You see, God did not deliver them from Egypt to wander in a desert. 
God did not deliver you from sin and the power of darkness and deliver you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light to continue to walk under the kingdom of light or darkness. <laughs> right? He did not do that in your life so that you could wander aimlessly, so you could live without purpose. No. God has a plan for your life. Right? God did not deliver you from sin and bondage to live in the desert. God didn't say, hey, I got a good news for you. I'm going to take you out of Egypt, and you're going to live in a barren place. God doesn't take you out of bondage to live in barrenness. God doesn't take you out of captivity to live in dryness. God doesn't do that. Okay? See, the wilderness is the result of failing to see the way maker out of Egypt as the way maker into the promised land. Get, get this. Follow me. They're in Egypt. God brings all the plagues. They see the power of God. They leave. They walk through the Red Sea, right? And now they get to the promised land. And for some reason, all of a sudden, the one who made a way out of Egypt, they can't see as the one who makes a way into the promises of God. Why is it that sometimes in our life we can see him as the way to salvation but not the way to fullness? That we see him as the way of salvation, saves me from my sin, I get to go to heaven, but in between there's no promises, there's no fullness. There's no, I don't live in this promised land attitude, if you will. I'm just going to eke by and get along and maybe God will help me and maybe God won't help me. No, 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 no. That's not what he meant. That's not why he delivered you. That's not why he took you out of sin. That's not why he saved you. Right? He's the way maker out of Egypt. If he's the way maker out of Egypt, he's the way maker into the promised land. If he's the way maker out of your sin, he is the way maker into fullness. Even in the wilderness that you, you might be in, he is still the way maker. You, you see, remember what happened. For 40 years, they wander in the desert. But watch this. And they got there because of faithlessness, disobedience, and rebellion. And yet God was still faithful to them. God, their clothes never wore out. Well, how am I supposed to go shopping if my clothes don't wear out? They got food from heaven, manna from the sky. They got quail on a daily basis, meat to eat. They got water from a rock. You see, even in the wilderness, God makes a way. Some of you are in a wilderness, and some of you are in a dry place. And I got good news for you. He's still the way maker. He's still providing for you. He's still taking care of you. Even in their battles, he was their defender in the wilderness. You know, I've said this many times. Every battle they faced in the wilderness, they were on the defensive. They were being attacked. And God protected them in every battle. You see, and there's a reason I believe they were always on the defensive in the wilderness. It wasn't the promised land. It wasn't theirs. It wasn't what belonged to them. God wasn't going to have them attack and take what wasn't theirs. But the promised land, that's what was promised. That was the place of blessing and fullness. That was the place that God promised. In that place, they then became on the offensive. He's the way maker out of Egypt, and he is the way maker in the desert, and he is the way maker into the promises of God. But let me show you something else. So I want you to follow this. So God, when, when did God, decide, well, like when did they 
when did this freedom from Egypt come about? I would suggest it came about long before it actually was realized. Because it first existed in the heart of God. God, there's a part of that song that we sing, Waymaker, that says something like this, because you know how good I am with the songs. That, help me out, Troy. That part about not seeing, working, all. Even when what? Thank you. I had to pull that out of him. Even when I don't see it, he is working. Even when I don't see it, he is working. They're in Egypt for 430 years. They're crying out to God. Nothing is changing. Nothing is happening. They're day after day of the same, and they're calling out. Have you ever had a season where you felt like you've been calling on God and nothing has changed? Does any of you have any, have any bad experiences at all? I mean, like, you giants of faith are killing me this morning. I'm going to preach to myself. Okay, Jim, now listen. Like, you, you, like, I, I, I like, okay, let's, let's do a test. Everybody with a pulse, raise your hand. <laughs> Some of you still don't have a pulse. Everybody with a pulse, raise your other hand. <laughs> Clap on. Oh, never mind. <laughs> like, like, listen, listen to me. There are times in our life where we are crying out to God, looking for God, God to do something, and it seems like he doesn't hear us. It seems like nothing's happening. But this is the truth. Even though you don't see it, he is still working. For hundreds of years, they're calling out to God. But they don't see Moses on the other side of the wilderness. They don't see God having a conversation at a burning bush with a man he's going to send back to Egypt to rescue his people. Listen to me this morning. You may not see it, but your God is working. You may not see it, but he is not idle. He does not sleep, and he is not slumbering. God is working on your behalf even when you don't see it. I got to encourage some of you this morning because I can tell you right now, some of you are discouraged because something isn't changing. Something isn't happening. God is not idle and he's not a slacker. Some of us are slackers, but God is not. All right? And so, so watch this. So God, his way was determined in his heart and he made it possible by his own hand, but it's realized through our surrender to that way through faith and obedience. How many of you know they could have said, I'm not leaving Egypt. I'm not leaving. I'm going to stay here, kind of liking it. I like getting beat every day. You know, I like, it's kind of like my Pastor Jim's sermon. I like getting beat, you know. And, and, I, and, I, and I like the fact that, you know, they're giving me meat and cucumbers and all that stuff. No, 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 no. Listen to me. God determines in his heart a way for his people. And he made it possible by his own right hand. But I'm telling you, it is only realized when you and I surrender our way to that way through faith and obedience. You see, because it's hard to walk in it when you're not obedient. But how many know you need faith sometimes to be obedient? Anybody ever been obedient by faith? Anybody breathing? Still working on that hand thing here this morning? I'll give you a mum if you raise your hand. Faith and obedience go hand in hand to walk in the promises of God. If God, now here I'm going to show you something. So now, these people, this next generation, have to enter into the promised land. They have to exercise faith. They have to exercise obedience to walk where God wants them to go. And God makes a way once again. I'm going to part the Jordan River. 
And he parts the Jordan River, and they walk in. And then when they get there, he said, now this is how we're going to take Jericho. We're going to do this my way. Right? You see, because if God is the way into the promised land, he's the way in the promised land. If he is the way into the promised land, he is the way in the promised land. I got to tell you something today. God didn't save you so you could live your own life. God didn't save you so you could say, I got my ticket punched to heaven and now I can live any way I darn well please. God didn't punch your ticket to heaven so that now you can say, I'm going to live this way, this way, and this way. I'm going to hold a grudge here. I'm going to be mad here. I'm going to be offended here. I'm going to be stealing here. I'm going to be lying here. I'm going to be cheating here. That's what God did. Okay? You know, remember, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but me, we. But through me, we. Yeah. Watch this. So, in our lives, Jesus is the way out of Egypt. Jesus is the way out of bondage and oppression and sin. Amen? Jesus is the way that God judged sin. Just as he used Moses and he brought the plagues upon Egypt to judge them, God poured out his judgment and wrath for sin on Jesus at the cross. And he did not add a pandemic to it. And he did not add sickness to it. And he did not add the garbage that we say sometimes to it. It was judged at Calvary. He does not need to add sin or sickness to, to judgment for sin today. Because sin carries its own consequences. Amen? So Jesus is the way that God judged sin. Jesus is the way that God defeated the enemy. Right? That he is the one who rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light. And here's what's good. Just as they were, he was the God of their wilderness... Jesus is the way, even if you're in a wilderness season. Jesus is the way into the promises of God. Yeah. Now, so Jesus says to his disciples, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. How many know good works won't get you to the Father? Church attendance won't get you to the Father. Giving enough money won't get you to the Father. No amount of religious activity can get you to the Father. How many would agree with me today that Jesus is the door to eternal life? Jesus is the way to eternal life. Can I get, can I get a hand raised for that one? Okay. But let me ask you a question. Let me show you something. If Jesus is the way to eternal life, then is he not the way for everyday life? If he is the way to eternal life, he must be the way for everyday life. You see, we like to compartmentalize sometimes, don't we? Like, this is our church life, this is our work life, this is our social life, this is what we do here, this is what we do there. How many know God intended for all of our life to be integrated? Okay? You see, let me show you something. If you choose Jesus as the way, then you must choose to live the Jesus way. I'll make a song out of that. If you choose Jesus as the way, then you must choose to live the Jesus way. How many doing, Troy? Can you put that to music? All right. Listen to me. Listen to me. Many of us, we choose him as the way to heaven. So I don't have to go and burn in hell. Thank you, Jesus. But we don't live his way on our everyday life. 
You see, the Jesus way is what? You see, if he's the way to eternity, he's the way to eternal life, he's the way to everyday life. Many, many want to him as the way to eternal life, but not the way to everyday life. All right, so, so okay, let me give you some, okay, so let me, let me, so all of a sudden, he's my, Jesus is my everything, he's my way to heaven. Well, therefore, I have to live the Jesus way. What's the Jesus way look like? Well, now I got to forgive. Just let I throw that out there. You, you see, we want to choose him as the way to heaven, but I don't want to live with forgiveness in my everyday life. No, 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 no. That's, no you, you can't choose him as a door to eternal life and ignore him's way as you live on this earth. You must live the Jesus way, which means, guess what? You're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to pray for those who persecute you. You're going to have to love your enemy. You're going to have to turn the other cheek. You're going to have to go the second mile. You're going to have to not gossip. You're going to have to not lie. There's a whole bunch of stuff that goes along with the Jesus way. You're going to have to live in obedience. You're going to have to exercise faith. Because how many know faith is the Jesus way? Can anybody with me, with me, notice what I'm saying, with me, say that there are days that you don't live the Jesus way? A few of us heathens. Right? There are days where you don't want to forgive. Can anybody say that? There are days where you want to gossip. No, 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 we're Christians. We don't do that. There are days you want to be angry and sin. Not angry and sin, not. This, This current... Culture, climate, is driving you nuts. And you want to fight everybody. (laughs) And so we put on our political hats and we ignore the Jesus way. You see, the Jesus way is for us to live in radical love, it is to live in radical submission to the Father like Jesus did. It is to like live in radical surrender to Jesus. The Jesus way is to seek the kingdom of God first. The Jesus way is to walk in faith, walk in obedience. And yet, you see, the faith that leads you to eternal life must be the faith that causes you to live everyday life. Sometimes I need more faith to forgive than I do to get saved. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? Nobody. So I heard yes. I'm going to throw you a pumpkin. Like, let, let me ask you a question. Like, okay, you know you're a stinking rotten sinner. You know you need Jesus to save you. I put my faith in Jesus for salvation because I don't want to burn in hell which actually hell doesn't lead us, the preaching of hell doesn't lead us to repentance, the kindness of God does. That's what the Bible says. But my point in saying this is to say that I gotta tell you, there are times in my life where I have to exercise more faith to forgive someone than to be forgiven. Because my flesh don't want to do it. Now I know you guys do it automatically and easily. But me, sometimes, no, I don't want to. And I don't want to be nice. And I don't want to be whole 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is this. Love. No, I don't want to be that today. 
Anybody ever say that? Hmm? I need faith to lead me to eternal life, but I need faith in everyday life. What we got to remember is that God is your way maker now because he is the promised maker in the garden then, yes? You see, I want you to, I want you to grasp something more. There's one thing, if I could get anything out of this today, is I know that I know that I know that some of you are facing situations and circumstances and stuff going on and everything that's happening in lives and in individual lives and national life. And what I want you to do is leave encouraged knowing my way-making God who made a promise is faithful and he is going to make a way and my faith is in him. Nowhere else. It's in him. God is your way maker now because he was the promise keeper now. He keeps his promises. And yet, it's easy for us to believe it to get to heaven. Amen. Uh-huh. You guys don't know what she's saying. I know what's being said back there. Pastor Jim is so great. I love Pastor Jim. He is awesome. Preach it, Pastor. Keep that baby talking. It's like Zeph at the beginning. Pastor Jim killed, da, da. I came in when he was saying that. I looked at Jamie. I said, that boy's going places. <laughs> Come on, Troy. <laughs> Attaboy. I'm praying. I, I'm, I'm great. Atta baby. You know, cows use the same path every time. You know that, right? Listen to me. Listen. I don't know what some of you are facing. I know what some of you are facing. But no matter what it is, God's the one who makes a way. He's the one who makes a way when there seems to be no way. He is the one that will take you through the fire. He's the one that will take you through the river. He's the one that says the waters will not overtake you. He is the one that showed up when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were in the furnace. He made a way out. He is the one that brought down the walls of Jericho. He is the one that parted Jordan. He is the one that parted the Red Sea. He is the one that gave Isaac to a barren woman. He is the way maker. Don't forget who your God is. He's the one. He's the one that Gideon took 300 men to battle with. He's the one. Uh-oh. I'll take her on the road with me. Man, my, 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 my man Merle was here this morning. And I walked over and said, Merle. Some of you don't may not know Merle, but... Merle comes first service and he's got a hole in his throat, throat cancer and, and he can't talk but he writes everything. And he came to us many years ago. I said, Merle, when did they tell you you were going to die? 1983. That's how many years did they give you? Five years. How many know we're a long way past 1988? I said, Merle, that's a long time. And then he wrote, he said, I give God praise daily, not only because
because he let me live. But he let me be productive. Like, like what he's saying is, not because I just get to live, but because I'm living productively. Listen to me this morning. You live forever and eternity, but between now and then, God has made you productive. He gives you an abundant life. He's got a plan for your life. The journey is as good as the destination. That doesn't mean, that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean hard times don't come. That don't mean trials don't come. That doesn't mean stuff doesn't happen. I've had lots of stuff happen. But my God has made a way every, through every one of those things that have happened. When my dad died of 58 of a heart attack, God made a way to, to, to help me through that and a way for my mother to help me through that. When my wife was diagnosed with cancer, God made a way to come through that. When my son died, God made a way. I'm telling you this morning, he is the way maker through it all. The thick and the thin, the in and the out, the up and the down, the left and the right. My God is the way maker. He's the way maker. Plant your feet. Follow him. And if he is the way to eternal life, he is the way to everyday life. Father, bless your people today. God, right now, I ask you to stir our hearts, to stir our spirits, God, and to encourage us and bring up our countenance. These are not just, it's not about a song we sing on the screen, it's about the word of your scripture. It's not your word, it's about who you are. It's about what you do. And Father, today, there are some in here that even this morning they say, I don't know how we're going to make it. And Father, there are people in here this morning that I believe have looked at their finances and they said, I don't know how we're going to make it. I'm going to tell you how you're going to make it. God's going to make a way. God's going to make a way. And he's going to make a way that you're able to know it was God and not you. Some of you are facing health issues. And you don't know how you're going to make it. God's going to make a way. God's going to make a way. Some of you, you face relationship issues, whether it's a husband, wife, son, daughter, brother, or sister. The way of separation is not God. Let me say it again. The way of unforgiveness, bitterness, the way of unforgiveness, the way of separation is not God. God is a God of restoration. And, and so for some, God is the way maker in the relationship, but you're going to have to respond in faith and obedience you're gonna to have to walk the Jesus way. And as you walk the Jesus way, and you demonstrate the Jesus way, there are gonna be those who are gonna be compelled by your love back into relationship. I said this morning at the end of the first service, I, I grew up in the tire business with my dad. Some of you know that. Mostly truck tires. And there'd be times in the middle of the night, even sometimes during the day, where I'd get called. And I'd have to go out on the interstate or on one of the highways and repair a truck tire for somebody. Many times when I would get there, out of the goodness of their heart, the driver would say to me, what can I do to help? 
And I had this one standard response. Nothing, just stay out of the way. And I wasn't being mean. I wasn't being smart. I said, no, I'm good, man. Just stay out of the way. You see, because I knew what I was doing. I was the way maker in that moment. And even out of their goodness, they would have gotten in the way. And in a moment, matter of moments, I would have them on their way again. And sometimes, and I'm going to say this morning to some of you, you got to get out of the way. You're going to have to get out of God's way. He's trying to make a way, but you're in the way. Some of you are in the way out of rebellion. Some of you are in the way because of disobedience. Some of you are in the way because you won't exercise faith. But then some of you are in the way from a good place. You're trying to make something good happen. And you're trusting in your flesh, you're trusting in your ability. And I'm gonna to say to you this morning, God said, get out of the way. I'm the way maker. Get out of the way. Get your flesh out of the way. Get your carnality out of the way. Get your thinking out of the way. My ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Get out of the way. There's even those in this room right now, the longing of your heart is killing you. It can be a variety of things. And you're almost out of hope. God is not idle. And I'm going to say to you, he's going to make a way. Come on, stand with me. Let's sing this song. Let's sing it as a declaration of faith that he is our way maker. He's already made a way out of sin. He's already made a way to heaven. That way is Jesus. But in this journey called life, he still makes a way to joy, to peace, to blessing. said, I don't know how I'm going to make it. And I say to you today, you're going to make it because he is the way maker. Come on, sing it.